You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gross. Today, I have a very, very, very special guest on the podcast to talk about, uh, well, one of the greatest of all time, Metallica. And uh, it's, I heard her say yay in the background. <laughs> it's um, the wonderful Lydia Hampton, a friend of mine for many, many, many years, and a Metallica diehard Bay Area. Yes. Everything Bay Area. So let me give you a little bit of background about Lydia, because I actually want to get into how we met the first and second times. But let's <laughs> but let's let's do this first. So this is from her, so I'm going to ad-lib a little, little bit. So Lydia is an avid concert goer and animal lover. She's worked in Animal Rescue for well over a decade, currently working at Muttville Senior Dog Rescue, where she's helped with all, as- all aspects of animal care, from veterinary to adoption matchmaking. Uh, and then she said something like that. But basically, um, she's a Metallica and Bay Area thrash and metal and early 90s, my kind of shit extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Lydia, welcome to the Gross Down Podcast. Yay! Thank you, Bobby. Of course. I'm super stoked to have you on, one, so we can catch up and talk because that's why I'm doing this in the first place. Yeah. Um, but also because because you are, you know, in in our, you know, we met through, you know, the, the Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, Pearl Jam fan base, whatever you want to call it, and have a, you know, a ton of really close mutual friends because of it. But I think what makes, what makes, you know, your relationship with music really interesting is because in the midst of all that, we discovered, I mean, I, I wear it pretty much on my clothes and on my sleeve, but, we, but we, <laughs> it's pretty obvious, but we discovered like you were like a Testament fan, Exodus, yep. Megadeth, Metallica, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, the, the, we're, we're going to hit them with the big guns with uh, with Metallica. So, yes. um, but real quick, I want to tell, and I talked to Anna about this, I want to tell this story because how you and I met was so, you and, and I and Anna met was it's so amazing when you think about it, that we were, so I was working in New York and went down to Philadelphia to see Chris Cornell's solo shows on the 2006 Carry On Tour. And you and our mutual friend Dolly, your friend, you were in line together, and mm-hmm. we didn't know each other, but we struck up a conversation, and we all, like, I was working with him, but, like, it was a, you know, that's where Vicky started coming into the picture, so I kind of just, like, cool, I'm not gonna, there was a debacle <laughs> in, your, in New York, I don't want to repeat of that, let's just wait in line, take our photo, and move on. So we, we, we met briefly there, and then I think, I don't have the timeline just right, but we were at the Holmdale no, no, sorry. It the, was Camden. Camden. Yeah. Camden, New Jersey. Same thing. Sorry, like, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everybody from New Jersey. I know it's not the same thing, but <laughs> totally the fucking same thing. Um, and we, we had, Anna and I were basically walking to and from the car, and we saw Eddie Vedder. So behind yeah. the gate, but like nobody else was around. And we're like, well, fuck it. This is our shot. We had not, we hadn't met him before. And we went to go talk to him and a few people kind of like, you know, came up. And then this one guy, he was like screaming, hilarious, like that I'm from Brazil. I'm from South America. And it spooked him. So he ran off. <laughs> but, <laughs> typical Pearl Jam fan uh, from, from South America. And uh, I mean that with love, but that is the come to Brazil quotient. And then on the, we were just so kind of like awestruck about how fucking cool he was on the way back we just happened to like run into you yeah we did not know really at all we're like hey she, she looks kind of familiar we're like we just met eddie vetter and you like freaked out and, i did and, uh, <laughs> it was like i just met him or something right and you're like tell me all about it <laughs> and we've been friends ever since 
Yep, I know, and have amazing taste, like clearly. Well, clearly. <laughs> so um, I, I love that story, and Honor like reminded me of it the other day, and it's like, fuck, yep. that's like. I that's, totally remember that. It's so. And great. then fast forward two years later, and we're meeting Eddie Vedder together. That's like, right. What? That's right. <laughs> God, he's just so nice. I know. It's like I'm so weird about meeting people. Like I really don't care to do that because I don't want to like have it like not be a good <laughs> you yeah. know situation but with him it's like you never hear any bad stories from like anyone that meets him and no. it's true like I've met him now multiple times and every time he's just a total fucking sweetheart I always think about that time we met him briefly I can't remember who all was there but we met him it's when he started doing solo tours and it was that first show on the tour it was at um the Santa Cruz. It was like a yes, Santa like, Cruz. It was a, the gymnasium yeah. in Santa Cruz, and I remember yep. like we we all went home and like we you know we, we we were checking like you know message boards when we get home because it was like 2009, so it wasn't like we all had smartphones and whatever. And we get home and like see that Eddie was basically just skateboarding around town at like yep. 4 a.m. because he was bored because it was his first show without his band ever. It's the most adorable thing. <laughs> Love and it. He found some kid in that diner parking lot that we all went to and like they sat in the lot and a kid. He's probably like 20 something. And they sat in the lot and skateboarded together and drank like Heineken's. I just can't even deal with it. Like, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's so fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. And then like when we also saw him on that same tour in Berkeley and we all waited out in the freezing cold for him. Mm -hmm. And remember he like shared his pizza with yeah. like all the people that yeah. were like waiting out there? It's like, yeah. what? I know. And he's like, he was like, I am sorry I kept you all waiting. And it's like, what? what? I have some pizza. I have some like, pizza. What? It's like, what? <laughs> yes, that's no yeah. problem. Like, yeah, fuck you. You kept us waiting out in the cold. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was. Love that guy. Totally. But you know, in, in, us moving to the Bay Area and meeting you and like, I mean, like, like really getting to know you and then you living literally down the street from us and us spending yep. so much time together. We, we discovered our mutual love for, for metal. And, um, obviously, you know, with the Bay in mind, you know, Metallica is just, it's just, it's there. Look one, they're like our Led Zeppelin. They're our Black Sabbath. Totally. They're everything. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, you know, there's, there's just like, they're just so fucking good. They're so fucking good. They're still fucking good. Still, and yeah. I'm always interested because you know I have a very you know I discovered Metallica probably a little later, probably like nine. I'm sorry, eighty nine through through one through MTV. How, yeah, same. Oh, so same. Same for you. Okay. Yep. So, mm -hmm. Well, it's like so. Testament, as you mentioned before, which I totally remember when I was living in Alameda, the house that we'd all hang out at. And like it was one night that you and I had done like a liquor run and like went on a walk across town or whatever. Sounds and that's right. when we had, yeah. And that's when we had like this talk where we both discovered like, holy shit, we share this in common too, you know? Right. Um, because I, a lot of people don't expect that from me, like, which it sucks that there's like, you know, <laughs> like you don't look like you listen to that type of music or whatever, right. but like, I encounter that all the time. Like, what? What do you know about thrash? It's like, okay, yes, I'm a girly girl, but th those are my roots still. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm willing to say that anyone that, that suggests that what you forgot about thrash, they will never know about thrash. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, that was, so Testament um, 
being in the Bay, it's like I remember them being so talked about uh, in my junior high, actually. Uh, one of the guys that I went to school with was related to Eric Peterson. So oh, it was shit. kind of like this huge, like, you know, royalty, just like, oh, shit, like that guy's related to, you know, this huge band in the Bay Area. And yeah. so my interest was piqued, like, you know, what is that band about? And so that's kind of how I like ended up listening to Testament and that just like clicked immediately. It would just like instantly. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but like I fucking love Chuck Billy's voice. Yeah. Like I am such a vocal snob and like I love metal, I love thrash, but a lot of times it's the vocals that like I just I don't want someone just yelling, you no, know? It's, it's I, make it I or break it. Yeah, totally. It's like I need the like melodic aspect of it and like I need you to be able to sing, but still growl and yell and, mm -hmm. you know, so it makes me think of people like, you know, Chino and, um, yeah, Phil Anselmo and people yeah. like that. And like Chuck was my discovery of that type of vocal was just like, oh my God, I fucking love this. And like it was Souls of Black, which yeah, come on, so that's one of the greatest funny. fucking like albums ever. Um, so still, yeah. still, it like is. I still listen to it and it blows my mind. Um, but yeah, so they, it was just like, again, the Bay Area connection, just like we took so much pride and like, holy shit, like, you know, these dudes are from our hood. And yeah, they were, yeah, kind of the first band that I started following. Um, it was like when they were playing shows, pretty much it seemed like every other week in the mm -hmm. Bay Area. Um, and then they were kind of my gateway to other similar types of music. And then, yeah, I remember seeing uh, one on MTV and being like, you know, I just kind of heard here and there about Metallica, um, but that was kind of my discovery of like, okay, I need to go out and buy this cassette immediately. Right. Well, I mean, like, and that's the thing, right, is that, like the bands from the Bay, like you think of like at least those three, when you think of Metallica, Testament, Exodus, they're all still making insanely vibrant, heavy and great records. Like they've all had that moment where, and which honestly was probably led in part by Metallica going, I'd say more, more hard rock than metal in, right. in the 90s. Like they all did it. Testament did it. I think, Tes mm -hmm. honestly, I think Testament did it the best. Um, and yep. then, and then Agreed. <laughs> and, and Exodus obviously has had like a revolving door with like some members and singers and what have you, but they're all still firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to Metallica, it, it, it's just, there's just something there. They have an extra special sauce or something. I don't know how else they to put do. it. That the other bands, while fucking amazing, they just, it's almost like there's there's a songwriting craft in Metallica that doesn't exist in any other band. And that includes Megadeth, who I fucking love. It includes, I think Pantera had it to some extent, but I think the team of James and Lars, whether you love it or, you know, you, he gets shit on constantly, but like- Right, you can't all, deny it. <laughs> they, yeah, they're like, they're like, the Lennon and McCartney writing yep. team for metal. Absolutely. Yep. That is the perfect way to put it. It's so true. And they were the band like that other bands were looking at of like, whoa, this is how it's fucking done. Totally. You know, totally like, and yeah, when you think of the time that like you and I got into them, it's like, this is when that scene was fucking exploding, you know? And and yeah, they were the band to watch. Like that was the band that everyone was like, holy shit, 
you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and it's like you look at you look at the first four Metallica records, and I think that I'm sure a lot of people already feel like this already that maybe didn't grow up with it because I think you and I are a little bit younger where we're, we, were, we weren't able to like go by Kill Em All when it came out. I was right. three, <laughs> I was three years old. But, but uh, like I like to say that I have street cred, but I did not have street cred at fucking three years old. Right, but, I wasn't at Day on the Green. Like, <laughs> right, I, you know. right, exactly. exactly. Uh, but, but I think that there's something to be said for if you look at Sabbath or you look at Zeppelin, their first four records for each band are just universally loved, adored, looked at as as yep. the standard bearing of that specific subgenre or genre. And I think you could say the same for the first four Metallica records. I agree, and I love how in several episodes you've been bringing up how it's like this is the band where they fucking kill it with openers. And it's so true. Oh, it's man. like, are you fucking kidding me? Blackened, battery, fight fire with fire. Like what? Hit the lights. Hit the lights. Well, like I mean, this is how you're starting your fucking record. Like what? <laughs> I know. And, and like even on even on the other records that maybe like aren't as popular, like, like you look at a record like whether you like the song or not, you look at a record like Reload, Fuel is a fucking, that is like a gigantic opener of a song. Yeah. And uh, look, they've continued it the whole time, but yeah, those first four records. Ridiculous. You know, the openers are just, and the closers on the, those records too. Yep. Like, mm -hmm. Damage Incorporated and fucking Dyer's Eve, which I think is the fastest. Oh my God. Song. Yeah. But, so ridiculous. So that being said, so what's so where do you sit today with your favorite album and your favorite song? Like how to fuck. Yeah, that is like it's like how it is with Pearl Jam, where it's like that's just not fair, you know? No, it's totally like, not fair. <laughs> <laughs> like I like with Pearl Jam. I know you've mentioned it several times. Of like you know, most diehard fans will say No Code and Yield or Yield, mm -hmm. which like mine is and Yield. Like those are my two favorites. Is like No Code and Yield. Yeah. But I totally agree with you of like Yield being their most complete. Like that's just, it's a fact, I feel like. Yeah, um, it just pulled from everything. And I think yeah. the Metallica probably hasn't ever had that record, funny enough. They haven't had a record, at least in my mind, that pulled from everywhere. Honestly, maybe the last record, maybe that was the first one where, okay, that song could totally be on load. It sounds like King Nothing. That could totally be on Ride the Lightning. Maybe that's it, but they certainly did not hit that stride like mid-period. They went a yeah. whole other fucking route. Totally. Um, but, yeah, as far as favorites, God damn it. Um, <laughs> like, I de my, my most listened to, for sure, are Ride and Master. Um, and like when I bought, when I bought my Injustice cassette after I heard one, I also bought, um, Master and, what a day. oh God, yep. That was it. Like wow. Master, it was done. I'm like, okay, like now, excuse me while I listen to Disposable Heroes for a month, a month fucking straight. Oh, totally like that fucking song. That goddamn song. Like that album is just relentless. Like, it is, it is relentless. It really <laughs> and I do is. feel like it's a masterpiece. I'm like, that is their, like, it's their most complete to me in, like, a different sense of, like, not from pulling from everything, but just, like, it's just so fucking tight. Like, I feel like they just had that shit down when they got to master. They were like, okay, like, we know how to fucking write some serious songs now. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, we're heavy as fuck. Like, it's very thrashy. Um, I don't know. I just, if 
I, ride and master are the two that I lean towards. Like, I mean, the sound of ride, I just, it's amazing. Yeah. And I feel like it's got some of their most underrated tracks ever. I was just going to say that. I think the second Like half, ever. I think that like, was probably Escape and Trapped Under Ice. Thank you! Yep, those oh. were the two that, yep, that's exactly what I was about to say. Those two songs, I feel like, are two of their best songs, and they're extremely underrated. Well, that's the <laughs> thing, right, is that you look at, you look at, I, there's a lot of similarities between Metallica's kind of their rise and a band like Iron Maiden, where I think a lot of, a lot of Iron, and I'm not a huge Iron Maiden fan, I know that's sacrilegious, but like live, it's a I'm whole, not either. Holy but shit, yeah. live, it's like. Yeah, that's uh, what I've heard. Oh my God. But yeah, on record, it's like, it's a little bit like, it's not prog, it's not really metal, metal. Like I, I just can't, I don't know. I, I also prefer like fight and Hal, Rob Halford solo material to Judas Priest. So I'm sure this is sacrilegious and people are turning off right now, but that's just what it is. And that's I, me with Ozzy and Sabbath, which I feel the same way about. I'm oh. like, sorry, but I love Sabbath, but like I'm a, like, you know, solo Ozzy girl. I think, <laughs> listen, I think it's a lot, it has a lot to do with age and when you discover an artist or a band and when you come yeah. up and it's like, hey, Ozzy was who I discovered before. I knew he was in Black Sabbath and I knew of course like Iron Man and, but I didn't, I didn't care enough. It's like, no, but like No More Tears is so good. How could it be better? So than good. Right. Yes. Thank you. But I think with like, with, um, you know, with Metallica, there's just, there's th th that record, I think like Ride the Lightning, there's definitely a piece of it that I feel gets overlooked because, you know, it, 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 well, let, let, let me go back with, with, with the Maiden comparison where Kill Em All is so punky and thrashy that mm -hmm. it, it's like the early Maiden stuff before Bruce Dickinson. And I think that that gets overlooked a bit. But when you look at what Ride the Lightning actually did, it, 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 those they were like 21 and 22 years old. Right. That is yep. insane. I mean, I was literally putting up posters and thought I was awesome at like 22. And these guys are like, we're writing one of the greatest metal records of all time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and touring with, you know, every band under the sun. I mean, obviously eventually touring with, with Ozzy and that was their real, real big breakout on, on the puppets tour. But my God, what a fucking insane. Ride. Yeah. I know. I remember reading that Kirk wrote creeping death when he was 16, which I'm like, what? Wait, I didn't Wait know that. that's what you were doing when you were 16 <laughs> years old. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> mm. That's a little better than Mr. Vetter and writing Better Man of 15. He should have kept it there. <laughs> Fucking hate that. All right. So, um, but that's amazing. Like that, that's the kind of, that's the kind of talent pool that, that, that band, you know, was. And I think that, you know, for me, it's justice. Like I, and that's, I knew it. I knew it. it I just, knew that was your fave. Yeah. But, but I, the same, the same way that I feel about Pearl Jam, where I feel that Binaural is my favorite record, but I know Yield is their best record. I, mm -hmm. Justice is my favorite record, but I know that Puppets is their best. Yep. It just is. Yeah. It just is. It is. Well, Justice, yeah, I feel like Justice is one that gets kind of overlooked. Like, um, it's so fucking angry. I do love that about it. Like, yeah. I feel like it's really good songwriting, too. Like, storytelling, like their lyrics mm -hmm. were... I, they just really stand out to me on that album. And um, I remember one of my ex-boyfriends used to always say he thought that that was Hetfield's strongest vocal. He was like, there, I just, he was just like so impressed with his voice on that album, which oh, I mean, yeah. Which me and one of my buddies in high school used to call it um, 
the Hetfield like Rocky Chalky. <laughs> like that's how we defined his vocal style. We're like, it's Rocky Chalky. Um, and it's, it's the Rocky Chalky, yeah. right. Yeah. The Rocky Chalky is like very chalky on Injustice. Yeah. Like. Well, and, and that's, it's so funny you say that because like that, that record gets shit on so hard because of the production because they're like, oh, they were hazing Newstead and you can't hear yeah. the fucking bass or whatever. And right. it's like, but I don't think anyone else is paying attention to the actual production and the sound on that record. They're all just saying like, oh, it's the, ba there's no bass, there's no bass, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's so dry, but that's what I love about it because one, the same guy that produced Puppets produced Justice and Justice is so much better produced than, than Puppets. And I mean, in my opinion, I'm sure that there's people now that are probably angrily typing texts to me. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is that like the guitar tone is so great and the drum sounds so fucking tight and concise and his voice really yep. does shine through. Like, especially on, he's going fucking nuts on Dyer's Eve. Like he's, Oh my God. Nuts. I and, know. And like there's songs on that record, like Freight Ends of Sanity and Eye of the Mother. <laughs> Shut Short, up. Like, Shortest Straw. That's like one of the best fucking songs. I love that goddamn song he's james heffield I, I think he's i mean i think he'll go down him and probably scotty in as the two best as the masters of the riff for anything past tony iomi like they yep. just Hetfield is probably the best rhythm player to ever live i agree yep and that record is it's fucking riff after riff after yep. riff yeah i know i mean there's it's crazy too when you look at these albums that it's like, wait, these are like eight or nine songs? Right. Like, it's one of those things like Jar of Flies or something where it's like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like quality, not quantity, you right. know? And it's so weird you say that because it's kind of both, right? It's like at that time, I remember, like, especially when it got time to do the Black album and then load and reload, is that like CDs were at, especially during the load reload era, CDs were at you know, an all-time high and, and record sales were too. And it was like, yes, it's always quality with Metallica, especially at that point. But then like you, I remember getting the initial long box CD because my, I had burnt two cassettes out for justice and <laughs> which you could totally hear the bass when you burn the tape out FYI, <laughs> but uh, it overtakes the whole thing and it's fucking awesome. But I think I remember seeing like the sticker, the, the the product sticker say nine songs, 62 minutes of music. So they were trying to like explain that <laughs> you're going to get your money's worth on this, <laughs> which now it's like, I, I don't really care about that. Just give me the good music. But they really, they made nine and 10 minute songs like go by super fast. This was no like dream theater, no, no disrespect. Like they, I, I love them and you know, in, in, you know, some other way, but it's not a slog to listen to a 10 minute Metallica song. Nope, not at all. So, so when they made that transition from Justice to Black Album, that's probably, mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm guessing timeline right, that's probably when you were kind of like really coming into your own about, you know, what you started to like really like not just listen to, but love, obsess over. Yep. So how it's exactly right. How did you feel when they did this? Because like they've done this a few times. So how did how did you feel when that happened? Like was it? Most metal fans were just at least that I knew were like, we fuck with this. It's heavy, but now it's everywhere. My mom like knows who Metallica is. So how did <laughs> I love that? Maybe she really does. She loves like Enter Sandman. Nothing else matters. I'm forgiven. Oh my God, that's cute. Yeah, so in like my Bay Area hood where these were like, which just 
you know, highlighting the Bay Area, I just want to say, of course, we like worship Cliff forever. Of course. But I just will always fucking love how he was like, dudes, I'll be in your band, but I'm not fucking moving to L.A. Like, you need right. to come to the Bay Area, which is amazing. And I just love that, how they were like, yeah, we don't fucking like L.A. anyway, so cool. We'll move <laughs> to the Bay. And then it's like, you know, a lot of people don't even think of them as, like, originally starting out in L.A. because they're just, like, the Bay Area is their home, you know? Right. Which I just love. But, um, yeah, just a quick side note. Oh, I love but, um, yeah, so I feel like here it was not well-received. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but I like, I like the black album. I still like it to this day. And I feel like it's, you know, like how it is with 10 or something where it's like, yes, look, 10, that's, there's some fucking gems on there. Like oceans is one of my favorite fucking songs. Um, yeah. it's the, the songs that everyone knows that album for are not the fucking best songs. Of course, this is how it always is. Totally. And that's how it is with the black album. Like. Sorry, but I skip Inner Sandman most of the time. And like, but you know, but then like My Friend of Misery, like Through oh, the Never, man. Holier Than Thou, The God That the Failed. God that failed yeah. uh, but yes, I fucking love those songs. They're great songs. And so I received this album well. Most of the people that I know um, knew at that time were like, what the fuck is this? Like it was, I mean, cause it was a turning point where it was like, okay, this is different, you know? Sure. And for a lot of my metal friends, they were like, what is this commercial garbage? This is not our Metallica. Like, no, but I recognized, okay, this is a different Metallica, but I'm still down with this. Right. So well, I, yeah, I, I mean, still liked it. How, how could you, th th where else were they supposed to go? You know, it's like, I, I feel that if you look at the whole catalog of Metallica, it feels to me like they could have probably like death magnetic probably fits sonically somewhere in between justice and the black album. That was probably a bridge. And mm -hmm. I think that the, the last album probably like death magnetic, not death magnetic. Um, Hardwired. Yeah. Thank you. Hard, hardwired to self-destruct probably fits where it is right now, but there's other pieces that came into play later that, that don't fit quite as well. But I think that, like, it was a natural progression. They had an actual hit. Like, you're never going to hear of this again, that Metallica was an arena band before they ever had a hit song or a video. So that's, mm -hmm. that's never going to happen again. So mm -mm. the fact that they were basically making it up as they went along... And they just made this record based on the fact that Kirk Hammett was like doodling around with this like riff for Enter Sandman. Yeah. Fine. Because with mm -hmm. that, that, yeah, 10 is a perfect example. Like that's what it did. It, it opened, this is like the weed of metal. Basically, yep. you listen it's to true. the Black Album and it's like, oh shit, maybe I'll check out Vulgar Display of Power. Maybe yep. I'll check out, you know, Rust in Peace. It literally opened the floodgates for metal. And it did. It didn't do it in a bad way. It did it in a pretty respect, like like through the never holier than that. Like these songs, like Sabbath, so good. Sabbath true has to be one of their best riffs ever. You know, so like a couple months ago, Lars did some Instagram live, and he was answering all these questions from fans, and he they asked him like, "What's his favorite song?" And he said, "Sabbath true." 
I mean, I was like, it. whoa, he's just like, you know, that song is so fucking fun to play. Like I, he just said he'd never get sick of that song. And I mean, it's true. Every time, you know, I hear it live, that shit jams like, <laughs> right, right. And like, that's, but that's the thing is that I remember seeing them at the very, I, I talked about this in another episode uh, that I don't know is out at the time of this recording, but so, Hey, it's new to you. Um, <laughs> I had seen them on the very end of the live shit tour. So it was like two and a half, three years touring on the black album. This is the last cycle, Miami Bicentennial park. And I remember that I was so floored because like at that point, like there was no set list FM. You didn't, there's no, right. Oh, what did they play last night in Topeka? Let me just check. There was none of that shit. So when they came out there, this is like the biggest band in the world playing to probably 40, 50,000 people in, in, in South, you know, in Miami and South Florida. And they opened up with fucking bread fan. Love it. It's like, and I've seen them open up with bread fans since. And so it's like, yeah, they don't, they can do whatever they want. And, totally. And the fact that Lars comes back to that song specifically, yeah, yep. I'm, all, I'm all for it. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. And just getting back to them, like, doing whatever they want. Like, when you think about Ride the Lightning, like, I remember, um, like, metal fans thinking, this is fucking weird. There's a ballad on here. Right. Which, I mean, Fade to Black, that's one of their best songs ever. Yeah. Still, always. And, like, and, you know. <laughs> and Welcome Home. And One was basically, like, you know, a softer song until the end. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like there were glimpses there of, like, we're going to experiment some and, like, sneak this shit in because we can, you that's know? Right. That's right. And I do feel like, I mean, I agree with you where the Black Album is just that of, like, all right, like, you know. We're going to try some shit out. And I mean, there's still that heaviness there. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, it's definitely things were changing. And I mean, it, it was it had to be a weird time for like a metal band like the early 90s, like 91. I mean, that's when I mean, I got into like Metallica and Soundgarden kind of around the same time. Yeah, but then so. short awesome but then shortly after them is when i like got into pearl jam and then and alice and it's like that whole scene was just exploding you know um so like you said like what were they supposed to do where were they supposed to go like i feel like the black album is exactly where they needed to be (laughs) totally i mean there's you know it's there's other bands that kind of rode through in different ways like you look at a band like megadeth that went the same route as metallica far albeit way more unsuccessfully with like risk and some of those records Mm -hmm. but then you look at a band like pantera who really was carrying the torch pantera just kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier and they were finding more and more success by being heavier Mm -hmm. and then you had a band like slayer that got heavier then took a break and by the time they came back new metal had exploded and they made a new metal record then they went back to being super fucking heavy and now all is right with the world but metallica <laughs> was the ones they were the ones to take all the risks first and then these other bands saw oh shit they could do it i mean like let's like look at like testaments low that record oh my god and i love that record by i the love way. that record but his like, voice on that is crazy i'm like so whoa <laughs> but, but then like they came back and made like the gathering and these fucking records that are yep. so, like demonic like so, at the end of the 90s <laughs> that are heavier than anything metallica has ever even thought of yeah so it's like i think th- that all st- i think that the genesis of all that was the black album I think yep. that, that that was the deciding factor because like, yeah, like you said, like, what were they going to do? Make another 
make a longer record than they did for Justice. Like they were ramping up. Every record ramped up to, to where they were at Justice. And that's about as that that's to me, that is the pinnacle of what that is. It's not gonna get any better. Yeah. So yeah, you jump off the cliff and you make God, no pun intended for Oh <laughs> I, I, really. But like but like you, you you make they made their version of a mainstream record and it fucking worked. Yeah. And it exposed metal to millions of households around the world. Mm-hmm. And it made it safe, you know? Like, the artwork totally. was very Spinal tapish, yes, obviously. But, like, the artwork yeah. wasn't, like, a cannibal corpse cover. There was no, like, decaying fucking corpses <laughs> on it. Like, there was no... Like, it really was just up to interpretation. I think that that mm-hmm. was probably... I mean, I, I'm sure you've watched a year and a half in the life of Metallica. Oh my God, but so like, many times. Yeah, I love it. But like those conversations where it's like, yeah, there's, it's not more black. It's like there was yep. what they literally started over, self-titled, black yeah. album. For, good for them. I mean, I, look, it's yeah. mom approved. It's like. totally mom approved. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. So, so around that time, obviously, things were changing. Like the industry was changing. Every, every everyone's tastes were changing, and they moved into load and reload territory, which I know up oh, until recently was a very sore subject for you. Very sore. Yeah, we took a break. We took a long, extended break. <laughs> Which, like, yeah. I say it all the time that I feel that Load, Reload, I I think, does have its gems, right? It's a B-sides record. It is what it is. But Mm -hmm. I think that they took all this shit because they made poor creative choices. They decided to do a complete overhaul of the brand that is Metallica. Like, Mm -hmm. they changed the logo. They all got haircuts. Right. They started wearing makeup. Wearing makeup. Like, the only one that did this with dignity was Kirk Hammett because he looked like a Cuban drug lord. You're like, I don't know. (laughs) Totally. I know. It did work. It did work. Like, he became, like, this, like, like, almost like a sex icon. Like, he was really, (laughs) like, he was fucking really good looking. And, like, then you have, you know... (laughs) James, who had like a flat top mullet combo thing, and like oh god, the wore mullet. suspenders, and his jeans were up to his nips. And then you had Lars, who looked like um, he looked like a drunk model. I can't even explain. It was really bad. <laughs> and then you know, Jason was just like wearing a Sepultura hoodie. Like, why am yeah, I? Yeah, I know, Jason. I <laughs> exactly. Just like, all right, he's like forever so metal. Totally. Like, and yeah. Totally. Uh, in fact, so metal when he released his self-titled his Newstead band, the album was just called Metal. <laughs> out of ideas. And, oh god! And like I remember after he like left Metallica, where he was saying that like now he's in like you know physical rehab because he's gotten all these neck problems from excessive head banging. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like I fucking love you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, him and Tom Araya. Like Tom Araya can't headbang anymore. Yeah, I mean, these guys are all older now, obviously. But, like, I remember very vividly being in the hallway. It was like, what's it, 96? I was in 10th grade. And we're listening to, uh, it came on the radio. And it was Until It Sleeps. That was the the world premiere of Until It Sleeps. (laughs) I remember I was the only one of my friends that loved it. I fucking loved it because I was like, (laughs) Kirk's soloing, but it sounds like Jerry Cantrell's playing. And, like, the song kind of sounds like Salt and Pepper's Push It. Like, it does sound like. Oh, my God. Push it! I could hear that now. Well, I remember you and Anna for years telling me, "Look, that song's tight," and it I'm is. like, "Nope, nope, nope, nope." And then I remember the day I finally texted her and was like, "Okay, you're right. That song's tight." <laughs> it took me hell years, but I just got here. <laughs> but, but like, that, that's the, I just arrived. 
<laughs> that record is so fucking good, and I think that it suffers from the same fate as, say, like a self-titled Molly Crew record, where it's like this record on its own. Maybe it shouldn't have been called Metallica. Maybe, but yeah, at the same time, it's like that record is fucking full of bangers. Like <clears throat> Outlaw Torn has to be one. No, it's one of my favorite Metallica songs. Like, Agreed. Ain't my yep. bitch. Two by four. The house that the house Jack built. Um, King Nothing, Bleeding Me, like it literally, yep. and then my, I think one of my favorites, which doesn't get any do, is Ronnie. Oh I, my God, I love Ronnie. And Ronnie goes right into fucking Outlaw. That's so right. it's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like the strongest way to end this shit. No, I'm. For years to have this conversation. Right? <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, okay, so when Load came out, I was like 16, 17, you know? And then, yeah, like, you know, thrash lever, just like this Metallica, like, you know, our metal gods. So the Black Album, I was like, okay. Like I said, all my friends were like, peace. And I'm like, I'm still here. I, I'm still down with this. But I mean, obviously, Load was like the next step where it's like, okay, we're still taking this further. Yeah. <laughs> and Wait for I, and like you said, it's like a full, like, Everything has changed now. And I'm just like, wait, who the fuck are these dudes? Like, everything is like everything has changed. Like, where's my Metallica? <laughs> and I just could not get down with it. And it's weird because I'm like fiercely fucking loyal to these bands that I love, you know? Like, I mean, Pearl Jam is the longest, one of the longest relationships in my life. <laughs> no, and, totally. and it's like, I always defend them when they get experimental because it's always fucking good. <laughs> but like I just was not down with Metallica experimenting I'm just like no you are our fucking metal band like what are you doing like right. where's the metal um, and I it took me years to finally be like you know and I mean you know Chris Cornell and Scream it's like there's some things that it's like look these are my favorite bands but I can't stand behind something that I think is shit so if I have to take a break from you then we got to take a break <laughs> no totally and Scream is unforgivable but at least it's unforgivable there were out there were other influences that we don't need to get into that caused right. that caused that abomination but with load and reload I like I said it was it was it hit all senses in a negative way like yeah. getting roasted on you know Alice in Chains unplugged like oh yeah Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then I think that, you know, I'd like to say 16, 17 year old me, but then also 40 year old me, like if you give me any band and you tell me they're putting out two records and one record is the, the album cover is literally semen and right. blood yep. in between two <laughs> plexiglass or whatever. And then, and then a reload, which is the joke is literally like an x-ray scan of a ball sack. <laughs> My brain would be like, holy shit, that is like the best joke. I am so down. What a risk, blah, blah, blah. But like at the time, it's like you take the logo change, the yep. album everything. Covers, it's the style, true. Everything changed. Yep. And it was just too much. It was too much. I for, couldn't do it. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that that definitely, it discredited a lot of these songs. Like King Nothing could have easily been on the Black Album. Easily. Yeah. Same yep. thing with the house that Jack built, and I think that like these songs, they just they the songs took a backseat to everything else that was kind of revolving around it. Like I think when they put out Reload, and that the first single was um, uh, the Memory Remains, and it's like mm. video is mm -hmm. great, having Marianne Faithful is great, but it's like 
that's what they did. Like it, they, it felt like every time they dug themselves into a hole, they dug themselves even deeper into the hole on purpose. Like, oh, you didn't like us doing all this shit. Now right? we're bringing out like a female singer from the seventies. Yeah. This. Like they just seemed yep. hell bent on, like yep. Mama said, doing a country song. They seemed mm-hmm. literally hell bent on on ending their career. And it's true. And it wasn't until, you know, they came back around. God, it took them another decade plus. Yeah. Like 12, like till Death Magnetic, because as no, yes. we can all talk about St. Anger mm. now. <laughs> oh, good God. That was just a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing is it's like, OK, after we got back together after Death Magnetic, which I so look forward to talking about that. Mm-hmm. But um that's when it was like, okay, like I'm hearing Anna and Bob in my head over and over telling me how fucking awesome, like <laughs> load is like, okay. you like, I was, you know, a super judgmental teenager. Let me try to go back into this as a adult right. with like fresh non judgmental ears. And I even did that with scream. I was like, okay, let me try to I, I'm going to give this another, ch- that did not work out. No. That is just never, ever going to work. <laughs> but I'm so fucking like elated that like load and load and reload clicked mainly load, but like it clicked and it was just, and I remember like our local radio station here, 1077 the bone, they always played ain't my bitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do I not know this song? Where's this song from? Like, this is a good fucking song. It is. And then come to find out, wait a minute, this is on load. Okay. I need to give this another chance. Yeah. And yeah. Click like, like you said, outlaw torn obsessed. Yeah. Um, heavy as fuck. So heavy and sexy. Yeah. Like they're like, I'm answering that in advance about yeah, their I sexy knew, song. I'm like, she's going to say the outlaw torn. It is so fucking sexy. I, yeah. You, I'm so envious because I've never gotten to see them play that song. And you saw them play the orchestra, right? Yes. Oh my God. I'm getting chills right now. Yes. That version, I listened to it. and I, I, Oh my God. I was out for a walk and I had to kind of just stop and like, like, holy shit. Cause like. When they did mm. S&M the first time, it set, like, all of a sudden, Kiss is doing a record with a symphony, and all these bands yeah. were doing it, but nobody ever came close to what, Mike, what, what Michael came in and Metallica put together, and then he died, obviously, but the S&M 2 is fucking amazing also. It's so fucking amazing, and so S&M was kind of around the time where I was like, okay, what's going on with them? I'm not okay with this. So I was also very weary about that. Just like, I don't know about this. What is Metallica doing with the fucking orchestra? But it works. Like yeah. that shit works. And their song choices like nailed it. And yeah, for SNM too, I'll never fucking forget just hearing that like opening, like, you know, that like chunky yeah. <laughs> guitar that comes in for outlaw and like i was there by myself and i just heard the little like Burr! yeah and like i just started freaking out and like to the dude next to me i was like is this fucking outlaw <laughs> and he was like what He's like, I don't and know. it's just like you just heard like a millisecond of it you know i'm like yeah. oh my god oh my god and he was like no i don't think this is outlaw and then sure enough motherfuckers yeah. went into outlaw and i lost my shit and then you like and ch- you like threw him off the balcony like exactly <laughs> yep <laughs> like don't need you anymore no but that's but that's it's amazing so good what though I, with what, it Oof. what i loved about that is that they ended up playing no leaf clover at that night as well which 
debuted so on S and M one, and that song is fucking amazing too. It's so good. They have like there are certain songs along the way, like I Disappear, that was from like the Mission Impossible two thousand soundtrack. Mm-hmm. No Leaf Clover. What was the other song that wasn't No Leaf Clover on S and M that was also great? There was another one, like another new song from the first S and M, and like these songs were great, and I think that they they just. There wasn't enough, like, that between, you know, if you didn't fuck with Load and Reload, you've now waited from 1991 to them coming back in 2003, and that return was St. Anger. Like, you got Garage Incorporated, which was, like, you know, all the, all the you know, the re-revisited, and then, like, all these new covers, and I fucking love their covers, so that... I love, love it. I agree with you. That record is an unbelievable, like, treasure trove of covers. Like I the, agree. The Merciful Fate stuff is great. It's fucking yep. rad. Yep. But, like, the Motorhead medley, it's so good. Oh, my God. The Motorhead stuff is so good. But then St. Anger and Some Kind of Monster. I saw a shirt recently. I meant to send it to you. It's, like, one of the, I mean, I'm not buying it, but I, I was so tempted to. It's, like, one of those, um, you know, like, when it, like, you know, like, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And it was, um, it was Jay. James and Kirk and <laughs> Lars and Jason. Oh, it's James and Kirk and Lars and Bob Rock and Phil Towel. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck, that is, the, that is like just so uh, fucking stupid. I love it. But like, I love it. That was yeah, such Yeah, that's just um, not okay. Those songs, there's some decent material in there, but mm. wow, those difficult listens. His voice is bad. Like, it's so bad. And like, I like I said I was already to that point where I was like I don't know what the fuck's going on here which I know James has said before like you know no reload isn't the leftover tracks like we recorded all of this stuff at once and we just couldn't fit it onto one album which wow. I'm like okay I don't know though because like load is way stronger than reload but yeah like there's like, like devil's dance and fixer there's some there's some like there's some good shit oh on there. fixer thank you that yeah I love that fucking song the, uh, um, unforgiven 87. You know. Right. I know. And I used to like clown on them so hard for that, which I know you and I have talked about too, where I'm just like, what? Unforgiven two? Like what? Like why why are we just recycling that? And then Unforgiven Three comes out and I'm like, okay, I'm shutting the fuck up because yeah, Holy shit. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm just right. like, nope, you could write keep going, because Unforgiven Three and now I fucking love Unforgiven Two. Right. But yeah, since I was already not on good terms with them because of the load stuff. When St. Anger came out, I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Okay, it's official. We are done. So A lot of people felt that way. That's it. Like, old Metallica forever. I'm never going to say I'm not a fan because I'm going to love Metallica forever. But I can't get down with this. Like, St. Anger was just a joke and the fact that like in their brains it's like yeah we're getting back to our like garage sound and this and I'm like what no. like you and I have talked about that production is fucking terrible like you're like playing trash cans like <laughs> it's, it's, it's <sighs> so and like that's the thing is that Lars Bad. he had taken such a beating over the years for being like you know let's say which is to me the utmost compliment like the Ringo star of metal where he does what fits the song, which is why he's. He, That's why I love. I love his drumming because. He, okay, I've always wondered that. I'm like, yeah. I wonder how Bobby feels about Lars, like as a drummer, because people, like, really have opinions about him, and I fucking love him. He just, as a, he like he. I agree with you. He does what he needs to do, and I feel like he has some really impressive moments, like in Metallica, and I 
a lot of people talk shit, even fans. <laughs> well, but, no, no, but, but I think it, it, it's it's interesting too because I think he's only played with James. That's it. So yeah. he, so it, it, he said this in interviews, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing, or maybe I'm quoting correct. I don't remember, but basically it was like he's like I am the best drummer in the world for James Hatfield, and it's like, <laughs> well, dude, that's your fucking job. That's all you've got to be. Yeah. And and I think that a lot of other drummers would have tried to outshine. He doesn't need to outshine. You have the greatest riff writer and rhythm player yep. of all time. Yep. You have the greatest lead guitarist of in metal of all time. Mm-hmm. And then you and then you know now I, I, you know they've obviously had this. They've never had. They've had three of the best bass players ever on their. And I'm not counting like Rob McGovney, Bob Rock, things like that. But they've had between Cliff, Jason, and now Rob. Yeah. Like, these are like monsters. So totally. it's like you don't need you need to play a four on the floor beat here. No one needs you to do like triplets and like weird like pro- progressive syncopation. Like no one cares. No one wants that. And like and honestly, they did that to death on Justice. Where else they're gonna go? Yep. So yeah. you know they it's he gets a lot of shit though a he, lot of shit people are always just talking about how sloppy he is and this and that and I'm just like whatever it sounds f- like it fucking works for what is going on like <laughs> no it does and I don't think he's I think that Saint Anger was sloppy and I think that it was maybe he wasn't the way that I look at it, and again I'm projecting this is a fucking stupid podcast where I'm talking to my friends about music so it's like I don't know what I'm talking about but maybe I do right it's like I feel that his playing on that record he could not get there he wasn't ready again yet to play that kind of music and i think Mm-mm. it had been so long since he had played anything technical in the studio that it had been 14 15 years and in that time he had gotten very comfortable very yeah. well oh totally and like you know the record just sucked like i said to you i think sweet amber is a great fucking song I think that, you know, if they ever re-recorded it, I would be down. Uh, I think that there's parts of Frantic and St. Anger that are, that, that are like, live. Hell yeah. But, yep. you know, like, they played Frantic or St. Anger? One of the two when I saw them at the Fonda. And mm. it was awesome. Yep. Yeah. Like, and people were going nuts. So I can't fault them. They wanted to make a, a heavy record, but they failed. They did, totally. And it's like they were doing, like they were obviously fucking with the sound of everything to try to achieve this, like, you know, we're just jamming, you know, in our basement type of sound. Like they were going out of their way. Like I remember they wanted, you know, you to hear James's voice cracking. They wanted it to be imperfect to try to bring this, you know, like kill them all like type of vibe but it's like no the, none of that is here like this is just bad right. no, <laughs> like totally. this is just trash <laughs> like but then like you said there's elements that are like now i can see that i've heard them redone because uh, it's like i well i'm glad that i saw the documentary some kind of monster yep. like that made me understand that album a lot more and um it's like the band was falling apart okay well you can hear that like (laughs) you know um so from that aspect it's like it it made a lot of sense to me and fucking kudos to them for coming out of that because they could have easily easily broken up like at that 
that point, you know? Oh, they definitely could have. I mean, you know, I, I think that it was just such a bad record that it, 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 I think that they probably... Look, and, and that's the thing, too, is that they... I, I can't tell if they stand behind these things because they stand behind them or if they do to save face because, yeah, uh, you know... it. With them, they can't like, think that's good. Come on, they cannot think that that album's good. But like we said, that they're they're playing some of these songs live now, so I do kind of feel like it's like okay, we you know we got something to prove here. But like you know, these songs are good. You guys just need to hear them in a different light. Yeah, but I mean, look, <laughs> they they definitely had it in them to still you know like when I so you know when they did that, it sucked. Life goes on. Like I saw them on that tour. I think it was a great show. And then they had, I we moved to the Bay Area. Um, you know, we started hanging out. And while I was living there, they put out Death Magnetic. Huh. And yeah. that record, I remember buying it at like wherever the fuck I think at Rasputin. I put it in my car, and like I just sat in my car listening to this fucking thing, and I could not believe how good it was agreed I still, yeah I listened to it again like a few months ago just to be like let me just make sure and because like I, I always go back to it and I'm like yeah let me just go make sure no that record's fucking great it's it's like it's too long probably sure but I think they were out to prove they still had it and that's why I said earlier this feels like it could have easily sat between Justice and the Black Album because yep. it has these like like all nightmare long has got to be one of their best. Chords. I always think of you for that song. I know you love that song. I love That's, it. It's, it's so good. It's so good. I'm like the day that never comes. Like that. Huh. It's so good. My apocalypse. I know. Fucking Judas Kiss. That's Judas my Kiss. jam. Oh, fuck fuck it. I hear like testament in that. Like there's Definitely. just like oh, it's just so good. They were they were out for blood. They really were out. They were. Like, we still. I mean, they got me back, so that's what got us back together. Like I'll never forget, they dropped that album on their website actually, and like it was like you know the day that it came out, just they wanted everyone to be able to listen to it for free. Um, and I had heard so much talk about it of just like you know this is a return to form and like this album's so fucking heavy and it's the welcome back of Metallica. And like, I remember people saying that about St. Anger. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going into this with like zero expectations, like maybe even like negative expectations, right. but I'm gonna give this a chance cause I'm intrigued. And oh my God, from that first fucking song, like I was in, I'm like, holy shit. The boys are back. Like they, they are fucking back. They <laughs> and they haven't stopped since. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Well, well, they took a bit of a sidebar. Do we even want to talk about Lulu? Oh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't fuck with that. So, we don't we don't have to count that. We don't. It's the worst record I've ever heard in my entire yep. life. Yeah. Yeah. Not hyperbole. It is the worst fucking record because like Metallica and Lou Reed should doesn't never, count. No, it doesn't count. And Kirk was like, "No, this is up there with all of our best works." It's like, dude, mm, you've been surfing for too long. <laughs> you've got to stop. But that's the thing, right? Is that they they always seem to find a way to bring us back in. And yeah, hard. But like you said, they were out for blood. It was like, okay, totally. motherfuckers, like yeah. we're back. Like James is fucking healthy. Like the band didn't break up. We are like thriving, you know. And like Rob, like the element that he brings to everything is just like, God, like just it's amazing. Like, <laughs> and I feel like people don't like so many people still don't 
take him seriously, kind of, you know? But he, now he's been in the band longer than any of the other bassists. Right. He's been in the band like 17 years. He's definitely like in Metallica. Yeah. He's just, I think, you know what it is? I think that anybody that knew about him before Metallica understands right. that, like, look, he played with Ozzy, Jerry Cantrell, Suicidal. Suicidal, Infectious Grooves. Yeah. in Infectious Grooves. So, like, yeah. there's, he brings something to that band. I think people just thought of him as this, like, funky kind of punk player but he is really fucking ta he is he is a heavy bass player totally and he is a present yep. he's a presence on stage yep. that they've never had someone like jason you know obviously had this energy and he came in as a fan and it's amazing but like rob brings in this i don't know he just brings in something like this youthful energy that that i don't think anybody else in the band still has and he's not that much younger no he does and i feel like yeah, because he's got that, like, heaviness to him, you know, like, I don't doubt that that's, like, a lot to do with where they are now. Totally. Like, who knows if they would have been able to come back to that had it not been for Rob. He's probably a very big part of that. And I, and yeah. I just, like, want everybody to go listen. In general, you should do this. But everybody should listen to Degradation Trip by Jerry Cantrell because... Oh, my God, yes. Jerry, Mike Gordon from Faith No More, and then Rob on bass. It's like, one, I love trios. Ridiculous. Two, it's like, you could literally not put together a better band. Yep. You can't. Also, Mike Gordon, mm -mm. another Bay Area guy, of course, Faith No More, my favorite band. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, when they came out with Hardwire, I don't think anybody fucking expected this. Because uh, I thought that, like, Death Magnetic, maybe it felt like that was a swan song for them, or they were like, hey, we can still do this, but we don't have to. And then they came back and doubled down. And I think that Hardwire, like I said earlier, that it's where they finally were like, owning their past there's songs on there that yep. could be unload and reload there's songs that could be on the black album there's thrash yep. like, even yeah back to the back to the front yeah like yeah. you said like thrashy mm -hmm. ah, it is back to the front yeah <laughs> but like <laughs> spit out the bone is like a, oh my god that song it's like a traditional ender like a dire's eve or, or insane a yep they've and seeing them play on this cycle i saw them Ugh. twice and it was one was the fonda and one was grammy night at the palladium which i think if i didn't see them at the fonda that night would have been more special but it was still fucking amazing and just seeing them in like a, you know what a 4,000 cap room and oh my you know, God. people are spilling over from the Grammys like in full fucking tuxedos <laughs> they're, in, they're in the pit and wasted and I, <laughs> I didn't go to the Grammys so I show up in like my regular street clothes and it was like I felt like I was the odd one out but it was <laughs> they just don't, they don't care they don't like oh you no. want to hear this oh cool we're going to play like you know Am I Evil or like yep. you don't want to yep. hear that oh cool they opened up with Red fan at one of those shows they did play like but i think they played blackened that night i mean they just Ugh. they don't care and that's nope. that's what's so important to, about being a band like this when you're a torchbearer is to show the younger bands you don't have to give a fuck nope agreed yeah and like you know they they play like two three hour shows mm -hmm. um they tour like every fucking goddamn year <laughs> like amazing um and yeah, I, I, even when I wasn't, when we took a break, like looking back at those set lists, it's like, yeah, they're still playing mainly old shit. 
Like right. they are always going to give the people what they want. Like even, you know, during that time, they're like, yep, we're still going to keep playing old shit. And to see them live is to really just understand what a brilliant band they are. Like them and Pearl Jam, hands down, are like my favorite live bands ever because they just have that live magic and their fans are fucking insane. Like, yeah. like Pearl Jam fans are crazy, but like Metallica fans are like a different level of crazy. Like these people are fucking nuts. And it's the most amazing energy to be around. Like, I love it. <laughs> well, it's like, I think as we, I'm sure you've noticed this too, you know, as we all get older and you, and especially when you look at now it's people our age too, but when it's people that are still older than us, that as they have been with the band since day one, when you go to a show now, any kind of show, any genre, any, anything for a lot of people, like for people like us, yes, we've saved up our money and you go and you go to the show and you buy the merch and blah, blah, blah. And you have a great time. Right. But for some other people, a vast majority of people going to these shows, this is the one night out of the year. This is yeah. date night. This is, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to get a limo and pull up to the fucking arena and get fucking hammered and lose yep. our mind. And like, yes, annoying. But also, that's there's a lot of that element because Metallica, you know, you know a lot by design maybe, I don't know, but they, they've, they attract a fan base that I think is a little more mainstream to these shows similar to when you go to a major market Pearl Jam show it's like yep. cool nobody here wants to hear what I want to hear and then when they play what I want to hear they won't shut up so, oh dude all the inner Sandman people yeah like, exactly completely yeah but there is like like I'll never forget this one time that I saw them at the Oakland Coliseum like all the because it's mainly dudes you know like mm-hmm. 95% dudes um, but like there was this group of guys in front of me, um, entering the arena. And as soon as they got their tickets scanned and got in, they all just started screaming like, Metallica! and like high-fiving everybody and going nuts. I'm like, Oh my God, like the show hasn't even started. And these people have already lost their minds. <laughs> but like, I just, yeah, it's a different level of crazy. And there's no other fucking fan base that sings all the instrumental parts. Like right. this is insane like i love it like even on the new shit for like ah like one of my new favorite songs is halo on fire like i love that song so much but like i think it started in europe where the breakdown of that which is the fucking best the like in europe they started singing it the whoa and so now that's just like made its way over to the u.s so now at all the show, they, they did it at S&M when I saw them do Halo at S&M. Like the whole crowd just started singing <laughs> that instrumental part, which I don't know any other band that the fans do this. I think only that I know of only Maiden. Maiden fans sing fucking everything. They sing. Oh my like, God, it's hilarious. Fear of the Dark. They'll start singing all that shit, like all the instrumental parts. But I think like those are, you know, te- the, that's testament to like uh, South American and European crowds just yep. going fucking bananas. Where I love it, just I, like I singing too. solos and like, what is happening? <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, so how many, so how many times have you actually seen them live? Yeah, I think I'm at twenty two. Yes, it's in the twenties. You're up there. Which, just, yeah, Pearl by Jam. Pearl Jam standards, it would not. It's not as much. But where, where are you at for Pearl Jam now? I'm at sixty seven. Wow! Wow! Damn. Yeah. 
And I know it would have been more with Metallica too if you know we didn't uh, take a break. I mean, I had six. We, we had six Pearl Jam shows on the books for this year. Right, I know. Six. I would have hit seventy. You guys would have hit. You would have hit your markers too, right? I would have hit forty. Yeah. Um, right after my fortieth birthday, and then Anna would have hit fifty. That's right. Yeah. So. Damn. And it, and I would have hit it in fucking Oakland. Of all oh shit! Yeah, I would have hit it at the Oracle. Yeah. So you know, look, they haven't refunded us, so that means that they fucking owe us. So. Yep. Yep. But um, well, I mean, look, it's like, it's when you speak about a band like this, they're just, it's in your blood, like you, it's, yeah. It, but but it's so rare that you know, and even myself, like there was a lull there for sure. Like I think that some people, some fans, their lull like yours was a little longer because they kind of burned your bridge a little sooner. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, I think most hardcore Metallica fans really took a break on the band between, like, the latter half of the '90s and the early 2000s. This was not a good time, especially for like the recorded side of shit for Metallica. And yeah. The fact that they've come back stronger than ever. And totally. They're still and still. There. Oh my still. God. Still. And like next year, it's 40 fucking years that this band's been together, which is oh insane. My God. That's right. It's 40, 40 years. years. And you're still touring. You're still putting out fucking albums. Like heavy as fuck, you know? Well, what's nuts is that it's 40 years and they're still in their 50s. Yeah. Like. And like doing, you know, the acoustic shit that they do. And like, they're so good to their fans. Like we've talked about one of my favorite concerts that I've ever been to is their 30th anniversary. Those Fillmore shows. Which one? So special. So your night, who is the special, who are the special guests on your night? Oh my God. Like. Because you got some good ones. Um, Jerry Control. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Um, yeah, which that's all I needed right then and there. Right. Um, so, yeah, Danzig was there that night too. Incredible. And, um, Jason played two songs with them mm-hmm. and they let, they said they let him pick the songs that he wanted to play and they were like, you know, leave it to Jason to play the heaviest songs. What did, and he, did he do? Whiplash? He, he did, um, Harvester and Fight Fire with Fire, oh my I believe. God. Yep. And then... Every, so every night, it was four nights in their backyard, like at a tiny little fucking, at the Fillmore, tiny little hole in the wall, um, which what, like this giant band doing this type of shit? I just, I think it's amazing. And yeah, they invited their friends every night, like Ozzy was there one night. Um, they even had Dave Mustaine come and play songs with them. Um, but every, every set list. Yeah, yep. Every set list was different. Every night they had a fan that won a contest to come on stage and play with them. And tickets were reflective of the year that they became a band, the price-wise, so it was $6. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fucking nuts. Like, the fact that they think of this shit, too, you know, where it's like they want to keep their fan base engaged and excited and, like, I just, it's amazing. Like, I don't feel like any other band does this type of stuff like Pearl Jam could take some notes from them <laughs> we, we say it all the time here you're absolutely right like they, they treat their fan club like royalty they, they do the content they give them is amazing unlocking the vaults and I, I just think that they're they take full advantage of being in the position they're in and I mean that as a positive like hey yep. if we haven't played Antarctica let, let's do it Right. They play a fucking yeah. South Pole. It's like holy yep. shit. But but the way they treat their fans and the way that I know that no matter how big they Love got, it. they still 
they're still that they're still that band that they were in 1982, and I think that that's there's there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, like you never lose. I like I, I said this in another episode that's not out at the time of this taping either. That them and the Foo Fighters, there's a lot of parallels there with like they really are humble about how where they are and like the way they treat their fans. Yeah. It's just a, it's a whole other level that I think a lot of bands of their size. Well, there aren't a lot of bands their size, but I think a lot of bands that are at that level or close, they really could learn like a thing or 50 from them. They really, they really, I agree completely. Like they go out of their way to make their fans feel so special and appreciated. And even with their fan club, it's like they have, you know, an option where you could pay, but then they also have it where you could just fucking sign up for free and still get a ton of perks. Like you, um, for every single show that you buy tickets to, you could enter for free. You don't even have to pay for it to either get a meet and greet or win snake pit passes. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, I did that when I saw them last year. I went to see them in Lisbon for my birthday, which was amazing. Um, But I ended up winning snake pit passes, um, which, yeah, that was phenomenal. And a lot of the people that I met over there were talking about how they had the, the the black ticket. And I was like, what is that? And I get to, it's a special ticket that you could buy for European shows that's kind of like a, like unlimited pass <laughs> oh. where you pay like, I think they said it's like five or $600, which isn't that much if you could go to like 20 something shows, yeah, because you know? Yeah, countries are so, it's like the, the travel it's so easy. cities are yep. like, you know, a couple hours each. Totally. So yeah, a lot of people that I met at that show had already been to, you know, or had several shows lined up that they were going to go to. It's like, just get Yeah. Which what that just blew my mind, you know? And I'm like, why have I not heard of that? And they're like, yeah, it's just something that happens in Europe. I'm like, fuck, well, I got to come back here, see you guys in Europe again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the dream, right? Is for us to get over to Europe and see, see Pearl Jam. And I'd love to see Metallica overseas too. I'd love to see anything overseas. Yeah. I'd love to go down the street if it was possible right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But it's true, the European magic, like, those fans are just so passionate. Just another level, I think. It really is. But to have that, that just, especially the way that we see Pearl Jam, it's like, oh, my God, to have a ticket like that, that's just like, just buy a ticket and, you know, you have to put in a request, I guess, and it has to be approved. It can't be like a sold-out show or whatever. But still, just to be able to go to a ton of... (laughs) shows for just like one price i yeah, love that yeah, idea sign, i mean honestly like that's fu- like pearl jam please take note mm-hmm. oh and real quick i just have to tell you about the lisbon show because yeah. talking about saint anger um my buddy that i met at the show that i became friends with and rocked out with the whole time like before the show he was showing me his um tattoos like all of his metallica tattoos and he kind of just had like a tribute to each album um i know a whole sleeve of it and he even had saint anger on there which i was like oh my god you even have saint anger on there (laughs) um and he's like yeah no i love every album even saint anger i'm like oh okay well i cannot agree with that i i do love load and reload now but so we had a whole saint anger talk and i just basically was like i can't get down with that and then fast forward an hour into the show and they're fucking playing in frantic and I'm rocking the fuck out and singing along and loving every second of it. 
I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I just got moated because this sounds <laughs> tight as fuck. Right. Like I didn't even know that this was that song, you know, it right. took me several minutes to be like, wait, what is this? But the crowd went ape shit. Everyone fucking loved it. And it sounded so good. Like, I, mean, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> when you go back in the canon, like, I think, you know, years from now, you'll go back, or people that discover the band later on. I mean, I did this with Neil Young. I'm sure people will do this with Pearl Jam, Tom Petty, whatever. There's always going to be an album or, you know, more that, you know, they had their place in time. Maybe they weren't. That, at that moment, it was like the hardcore fans were like, fuck this. But there's probably some kid that's going to pick that up 20, <laughs> 30 years from now being like, that doesn't understand the trajectory what got them to that point yeah that's gonna be like holy shit this record is fucking amazing <laughs> and that's not to discredit whatever kid that is they just don't know the journey that we were right. all on together to get yeah. to that point it's like you invest in this band you wait all these years they change everything they come back it's like the quote-unquote return to form and it's that and, that's not, <laughs> it, and, and then it took us another five years to get death magnetic which was like fucking finally yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, I guess it's about the journey, but not really at the same time. <laughs> but it's still like really exciting and refreshing to like have them make me like one of those songs now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, this sounds fucking good. <laughs> well, they're just one of those bands. And I think, you know, they're one of those bands that's going to be, you know, 200 years from now, people are going to be listening to Enter Sandman. They're going to be listening to one. It's never, yep. they're going to go down in time as one of the all time greats, regardless of genre. And people are going to study and take courses about, I, I really do feel that way because mm -hmm. it's, it's timeless music. A lot of it, it is, is really timeless. And, and I think even at their at their weakest they were at least vulnerable enough to be able to put that to tape to show the world what they were going through i mean that some kind of monster really for all the jokes and shit we throw at it there's not a lot of bands that would show that at that level no yeah so, i agree they were really vulnerable to do that they were and i also love how alive they keep cliff like that's something yes. that just like yes. makes me want to cry i just like I know that him and James were so fucking tight and like all of them credit so much of the development of them as musicians to Cliff and like, you know, Cliff came into it as like a fan of liking like classical music and jazz and like stuff that Metallica was like, what the fuck? Like you listen to that, you know? Yeah. And it really brought a different dynamic to like their songwriting and just I feel like he really opened their minds and um, I I know that they know that and that they wouldn't be the musicians that they are had they not, you know, known Cliff That's and right. every fucking show like it without fail. It's like they're dedicating a song to him. They're saying hello to him. They're like getting the crowd to cheer for him. Like in some way, they are just always paying tribute to him and at just to say again, like, I don't know another band that does that, but it's like, really, I don't, like all these years later to just constantly mention Cliff and keep him alive. I just, I think it's amazing. That's really a good point. And also like what band has a bass solo uh, on a, a, uh, as a song on their first album? Yeah, it's take just, one. Take, <laughs> take one. Uh, Fuck off. Right, take one. I, it, it's really wonderful to see that. And, and you're right. I mean, and, and to be gone at 26, like, he was just we we haven't we didn't even you know crack 
the tip of like the iceberg of what no can you imagine like what they would have sound like it you know if cliff was that's like a crazy thought yeah the only hit we got was (laughs) to live is to die and that song is so fucking good yep so good which another thing too to talk about with them is like their instrumental shit what i know oh my god at my fillmore show they opened with suicide and redemption which like (laughs) that fucking song I mean, they're so good at instrumentals. They could just release a whole instrumental album. <laughs> yeah, but without a good, like, ooh, yeah, yeah. Maybe if he just throws one in once in a while during the instrumentals. Right. Yeah, yeah I think have you find a happy medium. Have you seen Jim Brewer's impersonation of him? I have. I don't, it's, oh I don't like Jim Brewer, but that's a really good, he does a really I mean, he's, good He has him down. He does. He has him down. He really And does. then James is like, wait, I don't sound like that. It's like, no, dude, you no, do. Exactly <laughs> what you do. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Lydia, I am so fucking stoked I got to have you on here. And talk oh, my God. Just to catch so up fun. With you. Um, yes. Thank you for being on. Uh, I will tag Muttville, which uh, and your Yay. personal everything when I post this. Um, again, thank you. Hampton, thank you for being on to talk about one of our favorites and uh, the Mighty Metallica. The Mighty Metallica. And thanks for listening <laughs> to the Girl Stop Podcast. See you soon. <laughs>